A lot of men feel like they don't belong anywhere. A lot of us are in that doing mode because we're trying to create belonging. If I do good, I am good. And you know, mommy, daddy, wifey will love and accept me. Welcome to the new Age Sage podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Brian Reeves. He is a men's coach and recent author of the book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. It's an amazing book, please check it out. In the podcast, we get into all things about relationships and how to be a good man in this modern world, which is difficult. Please like and subscribe, thank you. Brian, welcome yeah. on the show. Lucas, I'm honored to be here, man. For y'all that can't see at home, like. Lucas has, 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 he's got a thing going on here, man. Like, seriously, I'm impressed. And really beautiful studio. I appreciate it very yeah. much. Yeah. So I wanted to start with, because what I perceive to be in this era, we're having a serious problem with masculinity in this today's day mm. and age. What do you perceive to be the main factors causing this crisis? Uh, the main factors causing this crisis of masculinity? Of, like a, of, of, of a harmful masculinity. I, I just yeah. see men are, are in yeah. deep pain right now, yeah. more than more than <laughs> ever, I think. What do you think is causing that kind I, of wounding? I think men have been in deep pain for a long, long time. I think it's now just coming to the surface. I think we've been coping with our pain in various ways for a long time by, by you know, giving ourselves to productivity, just doing, 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 yeah. by... I mean, oppressing everybody, including ourselves on some level. Sure, we maybe, you know, particularly white men. I mean, we've, we've, you know, had the keys to the kingdom for forever. I haven't known a lot of really genuinely happy white men yeah. or men in general over my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, some of them, in fact, some of the most miserable men I've ever known had all the money in the fucking world. You know, I mean, I mean that literally. I've, I, I remember working with a man... My parents were, oh, I was a teenager, 30 years ago. We were working with a man who was a business partner. He had a giant, beautiful home in Fort Lauderdale on one of the canals. He had a 110-foot yacht that had mopeds on it and jet skis. And I mean, this guy was rolling in money. And I remember all he could talk about was building his 140-foot yacht because his 110-foot yacht wasn't big enough. Yeah. Like, I'm a 17-year-old kid, like, listening to this, like, that's nutso, you know? And he didn't strike me as happy. He didn't strike me like he was, like, a genuinely joyful person. He was pretty fucking miserable. And a couple of years later, he went to jail for tax evasion, yeah. tax fraud. So I think this is something that men have been experiencing for eons. I think it's just coming to light now. Uh, well, I mean, why? Because it's time. I mean, it's that the world can't persist we can't continue in the way that we've been going and expect to survive yeah. the coming calamities i think um i think you know serviced by the internet by by men having conversations like this the, the world gets to see oh my god men are going through something there's enough men talking about it that it can't be denied anymore yeah for sure i in terms of your your articulation surrounding you know, wealthy men not being happy. I, I got why. I was watching a movie the other day. Out of all movies, an Adam Sandler movie called Click. And the yeah, right. part of the movie that, movie that hit me was the the message I got in it is that when you're when men are living in the space of, you know, once I get X, then everything will be okay. Yeah. Then mm. you're always fast forwarding the present moment. Like mm. you're fat, you're like yeah. rushing the yeah. present moment. You're rushing reality so you can get to yeah. that moment. Yeah. And then when you get that moment, it's the next thing to then fast forward to. So men are just always in the yeah. state of, yeah, like 
plowing or, or fast forward to the, yeah. the present moment to satiate their egoistic desires. 100%. We call that, in my work, we call that, I mean, you've heard this term before, we call it just being being caught on the hamster wheel of life. Yeah. Men are on that hamster wheel, cranking, cranking, cranking. We, we don't take time to celebrate the things we do have, the, uh, the, the successes we do create. We don't even take time because we're off to the next thing. And it and it, it it there's a hunger, there's an emptiness that we're trying to fill through these external successes that it, it will never be filled. What's the what's the line between you know being productive in some way for service and then not going overboard? What's that line of like doing versus being in a man? It's mm, a great question. I think it's the the <clears throat> the line is it's not so much a line between doing and being. I think it's a it's a fusion of doing and being where we really find our greatest success. And, and, and the question that I would ask is, well, where's the doing coming from, mm-hmm. you know, from, from what being is my doing arising. So am I, am I, am I in persistent anxiety? Or do I feel like I, you know, a lot of men feel like they don't belong anywhere. A lot of us are in that doing mode because we're trying to create belonging if I do good, I am good. And, you know, mommy, daddy, wifey will love and accept me. So we're, we're doing from this place of, of deep angst and emptiness and fear. Well, you can do your whole damn life and it's never going to work. You're just going to do yourself right into the fucking grave and, yeah. and pain and, and, and breakdown. And, but when we're, when we learn to cultivate a, a deep being, a, st- a stillness even in our being so that our doing arises from deep clarity. I love doing. There's nothing wrong with doing. But it's, again, it's where's the doing coming from? Is it coming from a deep stillness, from a, a place of calm and, and, and clarity and, 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 you know, for me, service. I know for a lot of men, a lot of women too. I mean, for, I think for humans, there's something about being of service to others doing from a place of genuine service that is enlivening that's that's healing that 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 uh, brings uh, helps us connect to our own wholeness and again i mean notice that i can i can do from service and do from clarity i can do a lot of doing yeah what did you what did you realize that you were doing from that place of of trauma or or a piece of pain like when did that moment hit you of Ooh, I got to change this, this fuel source. <laughs> Man, well, look, th- there's a part of that that's always present. You know, okay. there's a part of me that always, I mean, look, the world we live in reminds us over and over and over, even social media, you know, your, uh, your accomplishments are your worth. Your, what yeah. you do is your identity. And so I, I've constantly got to fight that lie in my own head and, and, and the temptation to come from that place. But you know, I'm I'm 48 uh, years exquisitely aged. Thank yes, you, sir. thank you. <laughs> and I would say, really, it was in my late 30s that I started to see how much my doing, as much as I've always been a, you know, like a, a spiritual seeker throughout my life. Even though I was in the military, like I was always very, very asking deeper questions and, and curious about, about the, I don't know, what's beneath the obvious in life. Um, and still so much of my doing was driven by 
the fear of, of, of not having money, the fear of not having love, which is really the fear of not having money was really about the fear of not having love, you know, not, not belonging again, feeling exiled from the world. Um, and I mean, that, that in many ways drove me well into my, my late thirties. And, and it was, it was when I ran out of money and for me, Look, when people say they ran out of money, a lot of people can mean different things by that. You know, some people, they run out of money when they have less than $100,000 in the bank. <laughs> some people run out of money when they literally can't even put money for you know, gas, into have no money for gas to put in their car uh, and pay groceries. For me, it looked like I had less than $500 in my bank account, very little income coming in, and I didn't know how I was going to pay rent on a $750 uh, room in a friend's place. That was for me what running out of money looked like. But in that moment, Lucas, there was a, a liberation that happened for me because at the time I was writing blogs. This was about 10 years ago, I think, 10, 12 years ago. I can't remember exactly, but I was writing blogs that were succeeding, being read by millions of readers. But 10 years ago, you didn't get paid for blogging. Not that you get paid today. You don't make money for blogging. You know, you can have millions of readers and you still are broke. Well, that was me. I had millions of people reading my blogs. And I was broke. But my and my blogs weren't just to make money. My blogs were an expression of my heart. They were a service. They were they were a cathartic revealing of of what is real for me as a man, particularly. And so in that, two, you know, something interesting happened. Those two things. Here I am, this man revealing my heart and what and what I'm discovering about being a man, particularly in the context of intimate relationship. And millions of people are, literally millions of people are reading my blogs and I'm broke. I got no money. And like holding those two, there was this moment of shit. Wow. Um, this is weird. This doesn't make any sense to my brain. Well, what I was able to do was to, to do doing, so the kind of mind, mindset work was to just realized that, well, look, I'm broke and I'm okay. I'm actually really okay. Life has my back. I know what I'm here to do. I know what I'm here to say. I know what I'm here to express through me in a, in a deeply authentic, again, from a place of clarity, not angst. And I was able to realize, well, all right, I'm willing to never have money again. I'm willing for that. I mean, I don't want that, but I'm willing for it. And inside of that willingness, because I know I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep writing, keep expressing, keep keep putting my, my heart out. And that felt deeply true for me. The money was, I never really connected for me anyway. So anyway, I was able to let that that need go and keep doing this and, and money started to come. You know, and, and even still today, I'm doing very well financially. My wife and I, we own a house. You bought it in this crazy market. Like we're doing really well, but there's a part of me that I guard that I make sure I'm always willing still to not have money. What's the effect of that? You think in, in someone, in a uh, man especially? It, 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 it helps me keep coming from a genuine place place connected to a deeper truth inside of me versus the angst of, oh shit, I need money because if I don't have money, my wife won't love me. No one, the world won't love me. The world won't respect me. Because when I start showing up for that story, yeah. Lucas, my life is fucked. Yeah. It's this this sensation of like needing to sell something in a way. Like, totally. You know, it's this agenda. 
Totally. You can, the people who are, have depth, you can smell it in a way. Mm-hmm. You can smell the, the advertising, which is fine, but there's a more like a, more relatable, more authentic if you can feel all this yeah. person's doing it from a place of, of, uh, of loving service. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that breeds a healthier living? Well, I think... Internally, like for your own, yeah. your own life. Coming from a place of like, um, of, yeah. just of wanting to explain or, or help people yeah. rather than just, just doing this thing for an ego boost or for, yeah. for money. Man, it's a, it's a really great question. I, I, I can, you know, I reflect back on my military service. I was in the Air Force for, for 10 years, five years ROTC training in college, and then five years active duty. I think it was very honorable work. Um, I was miserable mm-hmm. because it wasn't work that was connected to. I'm going to use this word, my soul. It wasn't connected Excuse to my you. soul. Yeah, use it all you want. <laughs> it wasn't connected. Wasn't connected to my soul. It, it was. I stumbled into the military because I was a 16 year old kid and I didn't know what else to do with my life. I didn't have any adults helping me really find my way. None. What the fuck do I know at 16? But I was good at math. So, okay, I guess I'll do something math related and I can't afford, my family can't afford to pay for college, but I could get a scholarship. I just saw the movie Top Gun, you know, at 16, 14 years old. And man, the, the, the hook that that put in my mouth towards the military, as it did a generation of boys and many girls too, I just didn't. So here I am now. All of a sudden, I'm a 21 year old lieutenant in the Air Force, and I don't know how I fucking got here. This is, it wasn't born of a of an authentic longing or desire. And I was so that that division. I was so miserable. The division, like I'm living this life that it, it doesn't feel like it's mine, you know. And I knew there was something over here. I didn't know what that was, but like an authentic life that is that is true to my being. I just knew I wasn't living it. And that schism, and I think a, a lot of us men, when we live in that schism, whether we're, we're in a relationship that we don't really deeply feel called to, to be in, or we're in, in doing work that we don't really feel deeply called to be doing, that schism is excruciating. I mean, we're l- living disconnected from our a, a deep, deep truth, even... Even if we don't know what that thing is, the fact that we're not really giving ourselves to find figuring it out is so painful. How does someone figure it out? What's the process? Long, arduous process. What was it like for you? Like, what was the journey for you from going from the yeah. military, you know, doing all that, all that, you know, rigid masculinity stuff, yeah. to then yeah. coming home to where you are now? What was that journey like for you? What were the key? Yeah. steps you picked up on that for other people to yeah. to carry on in their reality well look it was terrifying at times it was yeah. really scary because i had to let go of certainty i had to let go of security and look i think different men in different stages if if a man is married and got two kids and a mortgage and has a responsibility i think he goes about that journey differently than a 25 year old kid or a 35 year old guy who who doesn't have those responsibilities i think i i want to be really careful that you know, my journey was to just, you know, flick myself off the off the cliff. You know, here I am. Let's jump and see what happens. I don't really recommend that to to a man that's got children who need yeah. who 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 he's obligated to to take care of in some way or responsible for. I think he has to go about that differently. But I do think that that what is certain is that we must give at least a meaningful part of our time to exploring 
outside of our comfort zone. I'll give you an example. Right now in a men's group that I'm running, we're doing, like I've got men that are uh, airline pilots, um, uh, business owners, uh, IT tech guys, uh, full-time parents. They're on, they're on call. They have, again, they have obligations, responsibilities, duties, but we're doing a purpose practice right now because a lot of these men are, are experiencing that same schism. Like they, they're, 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 they've just been in a groove in some cases for 20, 30 years and, and, and they're not lit up in their lives, but they don't know what else to do. So I've got them doing a practice, uh, spending uh, four hours, four hours a day when they can, on days that they can do this. Maybe it's in the evening, 6 to 10 p.m. And they're just sitting in a chair doing nothing. Just sitting in a chair doing nothing, waiting for the impulse to do something, like go to the bathroom. Go to, go to the bathroom, then come back. Um, but the question that they're sitting in is, is questions. We've given them a handful of questions around purpose. You know, what, what does life want to express through me? What, what is my, you know, purpose is such a, a loaded question, I think. But I have them sitting just four hours a day. It's, which is terrifying, yeah. you know, to, to even my mind is like, shit, four hours of sitting in stillness and doing nothing. No, thanks. I'd much rather be surfing YouTube, uh, playing video games. Um, I don't know, watching Netflix with the wife, playing ball with the dog. And no, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But if I'm not living in alignment with my deeper soul's purpose, then doing those things is only a distraction from finding my way to what the fuck is my soul's purpose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crucial because, you know, we're we're constantly riding the waves of stimulation to avoid what's, what's going on inside yes. in that space, in that stillness. You can not only find the whispers of your soul, but also... Yeah feel you what you've been blocking for so long yeah and in that processing the feeling for me my journey you get kind of codes in a way that once you uh, kind of really process and feel what you've been hiding there's yeah. like usually a, some kind of message there or yeah a whisper of oh you should be you should be doing this i think right. that's part of it too right like being i think one of the main things too with men that's the issue is, is a constant running away from the things that i want to feel and that causes mm -hmm. all the yeah. all the bad habits definitely what, what were some of the the feelings that you were running away from the most that, that then you got to a place where you're like, oh, you know, this is, okay, I can sit with this and, and tolerate it. Yeah, I think one of the things I've been running away from my whole life is is grief, mm -hmm. sadness, you know, sadness. I mean, my parents divorced when I was four. I was bullied. I lost, uh, you know, some close people to suicide at a young age. And I moved homes. I lost friends. I spent 10 years doing something that was incredibly disconnected from my soul's purpose, you know. Life spat me out at 26 with a lot of sadness and pain and grief. and But I didn't want to face any of that, none of it. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's, that's a, a real missing. Uh, Stephen Jenkins, Stephen Jenkinson, that's his name. He's the author of a book called Die Wise. Brilliant, brilliant, old, wise old elder sage. Uh, he, he says, we are, in our culture, we are, we are death phobic and grief illiterate. Mm -hmm. And I think that that costs us men in particular, our illiteracy around grief, how to grieve. I see it in relationships. I mean, men, we, we, we get into relationships and this happened for me, surely we get into relationships and, and as much as we want to, we do want to be in relationships. We don't know how to grieve 
our singledom, our, we don't know how, there's, there's a grieving that must happen for men and women when we get into relationships, for example. I mean, women have to grieve also because there's a, there's a death of a, of a, of a previous life experience. And for men, you know, we get caught in this, we, we get caught in this really painful trap, this sort of damned if I do, damned if I don't experience in life where as a single man, I think there's a drive to relationship, to connection. Even for the most freedom-minded of man, there's a drive to connection. And then when we get into that connection, though, there is this drive back to yeah. freedom, disconnection in a way. And we don't know how to reconcile those. So we feel endlessly trapped. And I think that was one of the feelings also that I was facing that I... You know, when I got out of the military, I was so looking forward, Lucas, to getting out of the military because I felt so trapped. Yeah. But when I got out of the military, a month later, uh, I went backpacking through through Europe I because I didn't know what else to do with my life at that time. I just went wandering. And, and 30 days later, I was I had a nervous breakdown in a phone booth in North Wales, sobbing, crying because I didn't I couldn't go back, but I didn't know where to go forward. And I didn't know who I am anymore. And. I didn't feel more free after just being released from, you know, the, the bonds of, of my military service. And I think it's the same for a lot of men in and out of relationship. Like we, we, I think we, we, we feel endlessly trapped in a way that we don't know how to be with. And I think that's, I believe that that's pretty universal for most men. I mean, I mean, look at even in our, the cultural cry these days, freedom, you know, we're so, everyone's so up in arms about our lack of freedom. I mean, come on, we're as, we're as free as a country's ever been. I mean, look, you know, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I know there's there's nuances and there's things we must fight for. We do have to fight for, for continued freedom, but we're pretty fucking free. And still a lot of men, especially, are fighting, you know, f raising the freedom flag. Like, so I, I just think that's a universal. It certainly has been for me. And I face it every day still, being in relationship with my wife, this woman I waited a lifetime for. I love the shit out of this woman. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. And there's a part of me that feels trapped every single day <laughs> by the the obligations, the the responsibilities, the of of relate the agreements of relationship. How do you release that so it doesn't affect your time with her? Well, I. My, I know that I'm choosing this relationship from a deep place of clarity. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in this because I think I have to be. I'm choosing this. Yeah. That awareness helps me work with any of the stuff that may come up. That may have me be resistant to relationship or want to in some way reject my my wife. Not because there's anything about her, but because I'm just overwhelmed by the. The experience of relating can be overwhelming for my nervous system, emotions. My wife has big emotions, and I love that about her. And at times, it's it can be hard for me because I tend to be, you know, more stable in the middle. You know, my wife tends to, to do that. I tend to be more here with occasion. You know, I might have, you know, much slower patterns where she's like this every day. Yet I love that about her, and it can be really overwhelming. It can feel trapping. I can feel trapped by that. So I breathe. I do a lot of breathing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful about how I hold my body. I think a, a lot of us men, when we feel trapped, we tighten. 
we don't we don't breathe well. You know, we're we're in a stress response. We're again, we're doing, we're we're we've got to solve the problem, figure the thing out, um, conquer whatever the enemy is, whether it's you know the competitor in my business or it's my wife's emotions. I got to kill that, crush it, tense. So I, I breathe. I do a lot of of breathing. Make sure that I'm relaxed in my body, relaxed in my face. Um, I do that regularly. Yeah. What do you think women actually need from men in some way? Like, what are they looking for that we don't give them? Well, um, uh, one, one of the, the top complaints that um, women talk about this from the, the Gottman Institute, they've been researching couples for decades. And, <laughs> and um, uh, one of the top complaints is he's not there for me. He's not there for me, which is really infuriating to a lot of men because we're in the, I'm in the room. I'm here. The fuck do you want from me? I'm here. What do you mean I'm not there for you? I'm here. Where we may get really confused about what that means. You know, the, the, another word for that is presence. We don't understand what what she means if she even uses the word presence. But I think one of the greatest gifts a man can give a woman is 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 his presence. And I I I coined this this term. I made up this syndrome called masculine checkout syndrome mcs masculine checkout syndrome it's where you know my body's in the room but i'm gone i'm i'm emotionally checked out or i'm intellectually somewhere else but i'm here i'm physically here but i'm not really with her i'm not here with her i'm not hearing her i'm not appreciating her i'm not maybe even respecting her or, or, or maybe, maybe I am respecting her. I'm not disrespecting her, but I'm also not really, I'm not with her in whatever her experience is. I'm gone. I think this is a source of profound pain for women, certainly, but also for men. Again, it doesn't feel good to not be here, yeah. to, not be, to not be in alignment with the moment, to, to be checked out. From the moment, I'm not feeling my life. I'm not feeling my body. I'm not feeling my emotions. I'm not. If I'm in my head, I mean, that's a that's a pretty that can be a pretty crazy place to to live. So presence, um, women women need our presence, and we need to learn how to offer it. Why do you think they need our presence? Is it just because they can feel that we're really with them, that we're really taking into consideration what they're feeling and going through? Well, I think there's two there's two parts to that. One is yes, I mean none of us want to be alone. Really in the end, we all want to feel, you know, even men that ran off to 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 worship God on the side of a mountain away from society and civilization throughout time, they weren't really going to be alone. They were going to be with God. To be connected to the ultimate source of connection is what men were seeking. Uh, so we all need to to feel connected to something outside of our own little egoic existence. And so presence offers that. It creates connection in the moment and in relationship. I mean, that's who else you want to connect with, but 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 the partner you're with. So that's the first part. But here's the second part. When men aren't present, and this is, I think this is very primal, very ancient, when a man walks into a room, 
what we tend to size up, I wonder if this is true for you, on a very primal instinctive level, is sort of two, there's two questions I, I walk into a room full of people and there's two primal questions I ask. One is uh, who, who here can I fuck and who here uh, could beat me up? It's like I'm looking for the reproductive opportunities and the threats to my existence, <laughs> right? If there are men that are bigger than me in the room, I need to look out for them. Right, scanning the women, uh, scanning the room for where are the women, <clears throat> and where are the men who are a threat. If I see a man who's not a threat because he's smaller than me typically, or just something about him just looks like oh, I could handle him, he he disappears. Again, on a very primal level. Yeah. Does that does that resonate for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And it's good you're saying that because like I think part of my theory on I want to go back to what you're saying on yeah. on the problem masculinity too is this societal like ignorance or repression or shame around that. That it doesn't uh, exist. Yeah. That, you know, men, especially men on, you know, the left side of the aisle where it's like, I get it, right? It's not good that we're this way. In some ways, it's caused harm, but yeah. it's there. It exists. And the more we shame and act like it's not there and, mm -hmm. like, forget about it through different, like, replacing different thoughts, yeah. the more it becomes shadow. Yeah. It becomes shadow, just leak out everywhere. So it's like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy to hear you own that and say that because yeah. it's, like, the biggest thing men actually, actually, even though it sounds counterintuitive, it's the biggest thing they have to do yeah. so they can get ahead of it and just own it. Fuck, right. I am this way. I'm seeing it, I'm with it, and it's not going to leak out to people. Exactly. And I'm not going to indulge in it in a way that's harmful. Yeah. You know, I walk into a room with my wife, the same thing happens. I mean, my brain takes in, nature designed women to get my attention. Yeah. That's what it did. It works. But I am not going to disrespect my wife by indulging in what what is what is happening in the moment. Yeah. Right? That I think is a very human and thoughtful and considerate and wise and skillful relationship practice. Yeah. But you're right, it's happening. So, but that that's a man's experience. I walk into a room and I'm pretty much looking for who are the threats and the reproductive opportunities. Once I've figured that out, I can rest, I can relax. Now, when a woman walks in the room, everybody is a potential threat. Certainly all of the men <clears throat> Again, I'm talking about historically speaking, just evolutionarily speaking, a, a, a woman in a room with a man, she has no idea whether that man could kill her, rape her, or love her. She, she doesn't know. At any minute, the man she's, I mean, who, 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 the biggest danger to a woman is the man she lives with. Yeah. Just physically. I mean, I'm, I'm, so, my, I'm not that much bigger than my wife. But my body is way stronger. Like even statistically, like most most violence is coming from the home. Hundred percent. From it's the man they know, not the stranger they don't. Yeah. That is a threat to them. So if I'm not present with her and she can feel my lack of presence, she on on a very primal level, she 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 she's afraid. She needs to be afraid because any moment I could snap. I could just. And she doesn't know that. She doesn't know which way is this going to go. Is he going to snap and and kill me? Basically, is the question <laughs> that her that her lizard brain is asking. Whereas my lizard brain ain't asking that. You know, even in 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 movies like Game of Thrones and and it's it's often been said. You know, poison is the woman's weapon. Poison, not physical violence. So I got maybe a man has to worry about being poisoned, but we don't think about that very much. You know, but. She's got to think about physical violence constantly with every man she's ever with. Yeah. And so if she doesn't feel his presence with her, see, when I when she can feel my presence, she's like, again, her lizard brain, 
can relax. Her nervous system can relax because she's like, okay, he feels me. He's with me. He's not, he's not on some weird trip that I don't know where he's, he is. He, he really gets me. He's with me. He's here. I can relax. And most men never know how to offer that. So most women are living on some level that perpetual fear and anxiety because not only are their husbands not present, but their the, the colleagues at work that are men aren't present. The, 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 the gas station attendant, he ain't present. Like men are not, their fathers aren't fucking present. Their brothers aren't present. So men, women are surrounded by men that don't know how to offer presence. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you bring yourself back? Like, cause it, it's, in, it's easy to say, right? Let's be present for the women and ourselves. And, of and I'm with you. Like, I, I think it's essential to talk about and discuss. Yeah. So we can own it, but it's impossible to always, you know, to always be in that state. So what are yeah. the ways you kind of bring, yeah. go back home in a way? What are ways you can remind yourself in the moment yeah. when you see yourself, you know, thinking about, yeah. I got to write X quota for my book in, in the next right. two hours. And yeah. what, how do you tame the rat race in the mind to then come yeah. back to the present moment? Yeah. What are tricks you learn to, to get there? Well, sometimes I'll just tell my wife, I, I can't be present with mm-hmm. you right now. I just, I can't, I need, I need some space. I need, you know, 30 minutes, you know, transition time. That's something that, that we honor in our relationship. We both at times need transition time where we're transitioning from a certain mode, work mode, go mode or whatever, just we're, we're in a mode and, and to do relationship feels irritating. I'm not ready for that. Well, I think, yeah, for me, just calling it out. Sometimes my wife will call it out. She's like, you need transition time, don't you? Like, I think you're right. <laughs> and in that transition time, that 30 minutes, I'm taking care of myself, whatever that looks like. I'm, 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 I'm helping my nervous system come down so that when I come back into her presence, I can be with her. It's like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here with you. Yeah. Right? So that's, now what are the things that, that I do? But there are sometimes in the moment where, you know, if my wife's going through something, and I can be available, but also a part I'm not, you know, I'm again, I'm maybe my, I'm ruminating on something or I just, I'm tired or again, in, in those moments, um, you know, breath is so helpful. Just taking a deep breath is so helpful. I, I've worked with couples for about 10, 12 years now and I'll, in, in, in couple sessions, there's often when, when we'll, we'll do some role play and I'll have them say things in certain ways to create connection, to bridge certain painful gaps between them. And there will often come this moment where the, where, where one partner will do that, that deep sigh of like relief. When that happens, I mean, that's the signal that safety that the body feels safe. Ah, okay, he's he's with me, right? Or or she's with me. I mean, it can happen on, on both sides. And that's the thing that I'm always exploring for, even with my wife. How can I help her get to that? Ah. Now, you know, she and I have so much trust and safety built with each other. We've been together seven years and we've been practicing this stuff for a long time. So we come out of connection, out of presence all the time. I mean, we don't just live in connection and presence all the time. That would be exhausting for me. (laughs) I would be, I'm an utter failure at that. But, you know, to your point, like, how do we come back into it? Well, breath. So just, 
breathing. I'll, I'll even soften my face. Like I'll, I'll do, I'll like, you know, smack my face to bring some life into my face. Cause I can have, you know, resting dead face. A lot of men, we tend to have stony faces and that doesn't feel good to my wife to see that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, uh, but, but breath is so important. I'll also, you know, a lot of times I sit with my arms crossed. I uncross my arms. So I'm taking a relaxed posture. I'm not defended or guarded or, or tight, but I'm relaxed. I'll face her, and I'm I'm just I'm just here. I'm I'm an I'm an open presence for her. Yeah, right? I think for me it's also to when your female partner inevitably gets riled up or emotional. It's mm. not joining the fire. Like mm -hmm. I think men will. I've made mistakes in the past. I've seen my. My old partner of mine, when she was super ramping up, I would then like yeah. take that personally, like, oh, fuck, it's my fault. I'm uh, doing this, something wrong. Yeah, and then I'd yeah, yeah. then join her her fire, and that'd be right. this explosion. Whereas yeah. I've learned to just kind of be stable. Just because she's going through something doesn't mean I have to go through something or that I have to fix her in a way. It's just yeah. all I can do, as you said, is just, just be present, regulate myself, and just kind of be an anchor for her to just kind of be seen in her all her, all her range. Definitely. And look, sometimes that's really challenging. Yeah. Because a lot of women, they're not any more skillful than we are at being in relationship. A lot of women in their in their rise of of it, it, you know again, my wife she's a big she's the big feeler in our relationship, and that, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's the the man who's more of the big feeler. But um, it's important also that she learn how to be with those big emotions in ways that that don't feel violating to you. Or she doesn't blame you for them. Or blame you. You know, one of the things I teach, I teach something called language needles. And these are sentences that both partners are have in their in their toolkit that they can say. Like, for example, your your ex, when she's having those big emotions and you start to think, like, one of your go-tos is, oh, fuck, it's my fault. And I understand that. I get that. I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole to ex explore why that is, but it's so common well, she could say something to you that says, look, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm just having a big thing right now. I just, I just need to be heard. I just, but you don't have to fix anything. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like if she were to say those words to you, even in the midst of what she's going through, how do you think that might've helped you? I'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information. And in this break, please like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. That's crucial. I, I make sure, you know, I yeah. do that because as human beings, you depend on a romantic partner to feel, you know, safe or, or validated in some way. 100%. Of course, you're going to inevitably feel responsible to some degree. So that, of course, you're completely correct. Just, just stay in that of like, you know, there's nothing to do with you. I'm just experiencing this right now. I'll do that. Yeah. I think I can lean towards yeah. being, you know, moody and like down sometimes. And yeah. You know, women in the past will take that like, what the fuck's wrong with me? I'm doing something wrong. So mm -hmm. I've, I've learned to be very, yeah. very vocal with it, saying, yeah. I'm experiencing this because of X, Y, Z. Got nothing to do with you. Just give me like half an hour. Just yeah. give me some time to, to move this through. Yeah. I'll go work out, get a nice bath or something. Just nothing to do with you. Yeah. Great. It, ma yeah. it makes a fucking massive difference. Yeah. Just could... like five words. Just a big difference. Yeah. Nothing to do with you. And, and you could even take that a step further to be reassuring. Nothing to do with you. I love you. I'm so into you. You're cute and sexy. I just need 30 minutes to yeah. go handle some shit and take care of my mood and take care of myself. Yeah, for sure. Just those little, again, little language needles, like the, you know, acupuncture needles put into the, the relational body 
to restore flow in yeah. a healthy way. Yeah, I wanted to move towards now to kind of men my age or the younger generation mm-hmm. in a way. What would you tell you know single young men to be doing to prepare in some way to be romantically like what what should mm-hmm. I think being a single young man nowadays is mm-hmm. is a hard experience, mm-hmm. especially if you're not you know the most attractive or the most financially successful. It's it's mm-hmm. it's rough. Yeah. You know, something of the dating statistics yeah. and dating apps, it's like, you know, half the guys in these apps aren't getting a single match. Yeah. And most of us go through that thing. So what would you be telling young men yeah. to be doing right now to get ready for, to be successful romantically? Yeah, it's a great question. I know, and I know I, the, 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 the online, particularly dating apps and social media space, it's, it's created a warped perception of, of the partners that are available, you yeah. know? For, for every person has a world of partners available to them. And so I know for, for men that, as you said, aren't objectively, or at least culturally anyway, let's say it that way, not objectively, but aren't, aren't subjectively attractive or have enough status or finances, I know that, that, that dating can be um, extremely frustrating. The first thing I would say is get off the apps. Just, no matter what, you're, 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 you're recommending no, no apps. If if it if the apps aren't feeling good to you, if they're not yeah. working for you, yes, definitely get off the apps. Yeah. Get off the apps. Because again, they create this false perception of your worth. Which becomes a negative self-defeating spiral. Oh no woman's choosing me. Oh, I must be a piece of shit. I'm not I'm this, I'm not whatever. Right? It just becomes a self-defeating spiral. Rather, commit yourself to what we talked about earlier to figuring out what the fuck are you here to do with your life? Like genuinely, deeply, who are you here to be in the world? You know, do personal growth work, uh, um, learn about yourself, be introspective, um, take responsibility for your own life. Set yourself upon a path that every day you go to bed feeling good about the choices you made that day. Be willing to be single. Be willing to not have a woman rescue you from whatever emptiness or fear or sadness or whatever you're wanting to avoid, right? Lean into the stuff that you're avoiding. And if you don't know what that is, well, hire a coach, you know, watch more YouTube videos. I don't know, but figure it out. Give yourself over to that pursuit. When I met my wife, I was, I told you, I was, I was broke when I met my wife. And what I mean by that is, I had already, so that moment we talked about earlier where I had that, that epiphany, right? Where I was, I was broke, but lots of people were reading my blogs. And um, my wife at the time, she was living in LA and she was, she was going on lots of dates and dating a lot of very statusy men in LA. I mean, music producers. I mean, she, she went on a date with uh, one of the guys that produced like, I don't know, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or something. And and that guy kept, all he could do was lead with, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is who I am. I'm this and this. She wasn't moved by that. You know, he had lots of money, status. He was a nice guy. I actually met him a few years later. Super nice dude, but no depth, no depth. He hadn't cultivated depth. You know, his consciousness hadn't cultivated depth. Here I come along a few years later, I'm broke. I got no money. I got less than $500 in my account every month, but you know, things are starting to work for me now, but I'm still investing it all in my business. 
I don't even have a I don't even have a home when I met my wife. I didn't even have a fucking home. I was in between homes and traveling and staying on people's couches and but I was living my dharma and I was I was writing, I was on fire, I was enlivened in my body. When when we met in our first meeting uh, at a coffee shop, holy shit. Like the two of us, I was so unattached to needing her to choose me. I didn't lead with money. I didn't lead with status. I wasn't trying to convince her of, of anything in particular. In fact, I ended up telling her a, a funny story that had happened to me a month ago where I thought I had a kidney. Uh, no, I thought I, I was doing a semen retention practice, not masturbating for a few weeks. And so much pain built up in my body that I thought I was dealing. I was. I, I didn't know how to hold the kundalini energy. <laughs> Turned out I had a kidney stone. Mm -hmm. But I tried masturbating at a gas station. Uh, I had to masturbate in a gas station bathroom because I was in so much fucking pain. I fucking masturbate, and I'm telling her this story on our first date. I'm leading with a ridiculous, stupid, even embarrassing story. I had a kidney stone that I didn't know about because then I went to the emergency room because masturbating didn't work uh, to relieve me of the pain. Um, and she was so endeared by, by me because I was just being real. I was just, this is who I am. It wasn't, this is who I am, take me or leave me. It was just like, yo, this is who I am. Who are you? You know, that it was just two people connecting authentically. So the advice is, I think society has it wrong in a way where we tell men, you will find yourself through money through cars through the external means that we're fooled to believe that we'll find our, our being or our essence in chasing externalities but in reality you will only find yourself like going within and you actually get more rewarded by life by woman by the things that mean something to you by going within and taking the journey within 100 percent. there's a, a lot of men you know i see these videos out there sometimes where men on podcasts you know similar to this they'll say things like uh well, they're, they're talking about the, the, the anger at women that only, the, the only thing women want is a guy's money. Well, I'd suggest then you're showing up as a man who, who believes the only thing he has to offer is your money. You're being met perfectly by the women who, will, who are meeting you at that, yeah. in that vibe, in that frequency, in that mindset. Yeah. Right? For sure. So I've never had that issue with women. I... I, I, I I never made money. I had money and status as a Air Force captain at 25 and I was fucking miserable. That taught me at a young age that just money and status and prestige, you know, all that alone doesn't make for a life. It doesn't make a man happy. So when I met my wife, I had, you know, look, I, I was succeeding as a writer, but she didn't really know that. I didn't have any money. I didn't, we didn't go on an expensive dinner. I didn't, but I was I was alive in my body. I was enlivened. I, w I was loving the work that I was doing. I felt good about my choices every day. And, and the, the, the magnetism that that created is undeniable. Yeah, I, I hear you on those, um, those podcasts. They're, they're so popular. And I think it's just that concept that men think that all they have to offer is their money or yeah. their status. And then they get mad at women for, you know turning them down in some way. Right. It's like, of course they fucking are. To some degree. They're like, just meeting you. Where you're yeah, like, why, why would you <clears throat> expect them to like you when you don't even like yourself and all you're doing is is, is chasing... Beautifully said. ...status and, and, and financial means. Yeah. But it's also true, I think, that men also have it confused that a lot of women... This is where I'll, I'll try and be in the middle is that a lot of women don't have depth. Like it, like men, you know, there, there, there's some women who are living that shallow yeah. life and if they don't like you and you're, you're 
sensitive, you know, deep person, like, good. That has nothing to fucking do with you. Don't don't take that personally. If dodging a bullet. If a woman has learned to love men to her father, people who have no depth, that, that she's she's familiar with that. She feels yeah. safe in that unsafety. Yeah. yeah. Good riddance. Like, don't take that personally. And unfortunately, most people are like that nowadays. If you're, you know, a man doing this work, and and it scares some women who aren't yeah. able to do that, and that's okay. It really does. Yeah. I, I'm reminded of uh, Byron Katie, one of my teachers. She said, "Whenever someone leaves me, I know I've been spared." I yeah. love that. Whenever someone leaves me, I know I've been spared. Why would I be with someone who doesn't really want to be with me? That's a pretty rich thing to sit with. And why would you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with the real you? And I think that that's the most important work is discovering, well, who is the real me independent of money, independent of there's nothing wrong with money or status or there's nothing wrong with any of that. But who are you? Who are you inside? What do you stand for? What is your truth? What is your gift that you have for the world? And are you giving it? Set yourself to that work. The, 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 the woman who is for you, she'll show up when you're both ready for that. And you wouldn't want her to show up before you're ready for that because then you wouldn't be able to hold on to it and it'd just be a shit show. <laughs> you're under the belief that, that she will eventually find you. I'm under the belief that life will eventually put you two together. Hmm. Life. It's not like I wait here and she'll find me, but I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do what I feel called to do again from that place of stillness, of clarity, of connection to myself. I've followed that path, walked that path every day as best I can, and I ain't going to be able to do it every day or, or even every minute of every day or even every minute of any day. But as long as I'm consistently leaning into, you know, one of the questions I love to ask myself every morning is, what does life want to live through me today? What does life want to live through me? What does life want to express through me? What are the, what are the most important uh, actions of my day that are, that are not just from my, again, my anxious ego, I have to place, but, but what is the, the, the deep truth that I want to live today? And the more I just live in that question, man, everything just happens. It just, life arranges itself. Not to say that bad things don't happen. Of course they do. That's life in a human body. But even inside of that, when bad things do happen, I'm still left with just, well, what does life want me to do with this bad thing happening? You know, this unwanted thing. Well, do that. And life has our back. I firmly believe that. Look, life is going to fucking end all of us. In the end, we're all we're all dying here. I don't necessarily believe we're going to upload our consciousness to a computer and keep living on in a way that's going to be meaningful for these bodies. But I I I'm a firm believer in in, you know, power with life versus power over life. I have to assert my dominance over life. Power with life. And and that's how my wife came to me. Yeah, what do you what are the things you're doing every day to make sure you have that life force to be able to meet life what are some like non-negotiables in your day or your routine or practices you do as a man that like you have to do to put you in that state to receive the the most important thing for me these days is really my relationships with my wife and with other men it's very easy for me to isolate and uh 
to to just you know bear my burdens alone to just hunker down in my little cave and crank out my work whatever that is and i'll do that sometimes but that tends not to be very enlivening for me that tends to be deadening in a way even my best work as a as a coach as a as an author you know whether it's for videos or it, it comes in conversations like this man yeah you know it comes in connecting with other people so for me what's most enlivening is 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 connecting with other people in real conversation not bullshit conversation but real conversation you know talking about real things that matter yeah to me and hopefully to the other person to us yeah. so you know i i'm i'm i have a peer men's group that i've been in for about four years we connect almost every day with each other i also lead men's groups you know with men that i'm also connecting with that is so vital for me yeah i hear you i think one of the we can go into this topic I, one of the problems i see in relationships is that so a lot of what I know, I follow, you know, Jungian psychology to some degree. That's what I, what I research and, and, and see to be the most true, in my opinion. And his conception of love is the most accurate to me is that, especially with men, is that men project their soul or their, their like, divinity or their concept of divinity unconsciously to a woman. They expect her to mm, be yeah. God. They expect right. her to mm. take care of everything emotionally. Yeah. They expect her to make them feel happy, to make yeah. them feel secure, to make them feel the beauty of life that they're yeah. projecting this this soul on, onto her. And what you're saying is ultimately how you how you defeat that is that you cultivate connection and nourishment yeah. outside of her. So you're not expecting her. Because that's what fucks up relationships is that a man yeah. will look at a woman and eventually be like, you're not God to me anymore. You're not yeah. solving all my issues. That honeymoon yeah. phase of divinity yeah. is gone. You're now yeah. a human being. Yeah. And when they see her as a human being, that's when they go look for the next uh, woman to project their soul onto. Yeah. So... Has that helped you in, in a way, like defeat that that masculine wound, yeah, in connecting with men and having things outside of that? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I uh, have you ever read King Warrior, Magician, Lover? <laughs> so that's a, a seminal book in the men's work movement. King Warrior, Magician, Lover, and and I read something in that book. Uh, one of the, it's a it's a book about you would love this because it's archetypal. You know, and young young is all about archetypes and. And King Warrior Magician Lover, those are masculine archetypes. And one thing I learned about myself in reading that book was the the adolescent adoration of 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 human woman, the projection of of the the divine goddess onto a human woman, and expecting a human woman to be yeah. the divine goddess that could love me perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, man! I throughout my twenties and thirties, I was expecting to meet a woman someday who would love me perfectly like that goddess. Yeah, when I just meet the one and everything. hundred okay. percent. Yeah. She will love me like the goddess. Oh, what a delusion I was living. <laughs> and, and what pain that caused in my relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I read, um, uh, in, in a few different books, one, there's a great book, uh, called women who run with the wolves, a woman named Clarissa Pinkola Estes. It's a masterpiece book. But she said something in there that that has resonated with me, reverberated with me over time, and and I'm paraphrasing, but but only when two people get over the fantasy of relationship can real relationship begin. Yep, it's what you're what you're pointing at, and and when we stop, when we when we when we can allow our partners to be human, 
now we can do a real relationship, right? And and being human means she's going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. I get to be human also, by the way. That's yeah. the fun part about this is we both get to be human. We get to be flawed. We be, get to be crazy in some kind of ways. <laughs> we get to make mistakes, but we learn how to repair. You know, now, now we're doing relational work. We learn how to make repairs. We learn how to apologize. We learn how to be influenced by each other and and take each other in you know versus the rigid ah you know you get you i'll get me but we learn how to be relational with a human not with our fantasy of what that human should be um that's vitally important absolutely and you're right i think it also yeah i i'm you you said something else inside of that i think when we hold that vision of of woman as as goddess, well, I don't need anybody else. I don't need other men. I don't need other people. I just need that. And everything will be complete. And it never goes that way. So yeah, me having deep and consistent relationships with other men is vitally important for my relationship so that I don't try to turn my wife into everything for me again. How have you gone about that journey of feeling that divinity that that god is within you by yourself like Mm. how have you practiced that so you don't project the onwards how have you given yourself that feeling yourself Mm. versus needing it from a woman it's a great question i think i don't think it's an either or thing i i I saw you you shared something about how when you broke up with your girlfriend you saw that there had been a part of you that had given her responsibility for for Softening me. Softening you. Yeah. That's right. I saw that video. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because, I, I, again, I don't think it's an either or thing. My wife has had a huge role in me softening. My wife's willingness to feel her emotions, to cry, to make it safe to cry has helped me in many ways as a man. It has helped me soften, helped me relax, helped me. But I'm. I can't outsource all of that to her. I still have to do my work. I have to, you know, I've I've led grief ceremonies with other men where we just sit in our grief and our sadness. The work that I do as a men's coach when I'm working with men, we're constantly checking in about our feelings. We're constantly, even just before I came into this um to this interview today, I was sitting out in front of your house and I'm 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 talking on video to a group of men that I'm that I'm working with right now. And we're talking about feelings. We're talking about there is no such thing as wrong feelings. There's just feelings. The question, the useful question is not whether the feeling is right or wrong, but it's what do we do with it? How do we work with the feeling in a way that is constructive, not destructive, right? So I'm in the practice constantly of, of connecting to what I feel, allowing myself to be angry when I'm angry, but learning how to do it in a way that is again, constructive, not destructive. When I feel sad, being in the practice of letting myself just feel sad and not having to distract myself from it or get it get it out of me or fix it in some way but so you know that's my part that's my part in in not making my wife the sole carrier of feelings and and the goddess you could say the the feminine goddess she's not the sole carrier of that i got to do my work to invite that and connect with that in my own body but She's plays a big role in yeah. that for me at the same time. That's what you're referring to is that giving yourself the ability to, to feel and witness it is that process of like, of, I, yeah. of, of like just being feeling 
safe in your body with an emotion, with that aliveness. And yeah. you said something about anger. I think is a good point for men too. Is how do we constructively deal with anger? Like, is there ever like what? Definitely go into that. Yes, because for me, it's like I can only think of destruction. So. Yeah, yeah, I know, and I think that's. I think that's a, a, tra a tragedy that we're collectively living, that we don't have a healthy relationship with our anger. Again, I, we, we men tend to live in the damned if I do, damned if I don't kind of, kind of world because anger is the one emotion that we're actually in a way allowed to experience or that feels safe, at least with other men and in the society. But then at the same time, we're shamed for feeling it because it's a shit show. Again, we anger is something that we're all afraid of and yet it's rampant because we've only ever seen it expressed destructively to tear things down to to destroy to whether it's in our childhood homes you know the the the, the rager father maybe mother but the raging anger that was just wielded as a weapon right or the suppressed anger like don't feel that you know a lot of people grew up in homes where don't don't, don't, don't feel don't feel stuff Oh, you, you feel angry? You're having a tantrum? Go to your room. Yeah. Come back when you're ready to be nice. Right? So we learn that anger is not, it's not welcome. We'll be exiled from our community if we feel anger or we'll cause so much damage that we'll then be ashamed. So, you know, I, I, I for many years, um, I would do this practice for myself and I, I still do it now sometimes, but I have a much healthier connection to my anger, anger, but I call it anger yoga, anger yoga. It's a practice of, I had a group of men doing this in the woods a couple of years back on a, on a retreat um, because some anger started to come up in the room. Some men started to square off. Something happened in, in a discussion we were having and, and one of the men said these words. He said, he looked at the other guy across the room and he said, we'll look into the camera. He looked at the guy across the room and he said, I want to end you right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, everybody up. Let's go. We're going to we'll go to the woods as soon as that came up. Right? We're not going to talk this out. That's not what we're doing. We're going to go express this out in a way that is constructive. So I took these men all. We were in this beautiful mountain uh, cabin and we took them into the, the forest. And I gave them this practice of, okay, you're going to express whatever is in your heart, whatever is, is upsetting you, your anger right now. But there's, there's three rules. One, don't hurt yourself. Two, don't hurt anyone else. And three, don't hurt the environment. That's all you got. Now go for it, right? And I'm giving you a short version of a longer story, but these men had permission to then just be fucking angry. You know, scream, fuck, fuck, you fucking ass. Not at each other. They weren't doing it to each other. They were each in their own space, just allowing themselves to. It was wild. It was a madhouse. I remember sitting in the woods and these men are just being angry. And I was like, man, if anybody were to stumble along this right now, Hygro, they'd call the cops. And yet these men needed to get this out. And what happened is at the end of that, we, we came back together. I mean, we did it for maybe 20 minutes. We came back together and then... You know, we checked in, who needs some more support? What's going on for you guys? Two guys just broke down in so much tears and sadness as all the grieving and sadness came forth that they had been suppressing, holding on to 
because I think that's what's under the anger is often it's sadness. So, but we, but we need to get the anger out a lot of us in order to get to the sadness. Yeah. I think with me, my, my issue is that I, I shame myself for the situation that caused the anger. I'm like, mm-hmm. why the fuck did that make me angry? It's like this, mm-hmm. I feel like a failure in some way that mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like, I think it's for many men too. When things mm-hmm. don't go my way egoistically, like yeah. when I have an expectation or something, yeah. like for example, I put on a video yeah. and it doesn't hit the numbers I wanted to hit. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. or, yeah. you know, you make a new friend and they don't, Treat you in a way like just things that like yeah. whenever something doesn't go my way, I yeah. get angry, and then my mind is yeah. like, "Who the fuck am I?" I get like angry right. at myself of like, uh, "Why the fuck am I feeling this shit?" Mm. And that shame, it just it's it's almost useless because the feeling just sits there, and then I'm like yeah. blocking it off because I don't feel like it just deserved, but yeah. it's there, and it's, it's like you know, if you yeah. can't laugh, you can laugh. You know, it, it's like yeah. if you have humor or a good feeling or joy, yeah. you're gonna fucking experience. It doesn't matter what yeah. stupid situation caused it. If you're right. watching, you know, like a you're dumb right. sitcom, you're gonna laugh totally. So, so yeah, think for cat video, I hear, something stupid. I hear what you're saying. It's like if it's there, it's fucking there, and that you you should have to do something to release it. You know. Well, one one thing that one a practice that people could also take on is, and I've done this in relationships that have, it, I, this has saved relationships, where when anger is present, just name it. Name it. I've had a number of of instances with close friends where all of a sudden we're you know again it's sort of like we're looking at each other going, I want to fucking end you. You know, that feeling comes up <clears throat> and maybe we're not saying that we were fighting over something. What, 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 what's really helpful is it just takes one of us to break the pattern, to stop, stop, stop cycling up the argument and recognize, oh shit, anger is here. I'll just name it. I'm feeling really fucking angry right now. I just need you to know, anger's in the room right now. We don't have to do anything about it. Let, let's pause for a minute. What, what we're trying to do here, it's not working. I'm feeling really angry. You know, we'll take a little break, five minutes, breathe. Just that little pattern interrupt right there, rather than keep going at the thing. Look, there, people tend to be either high conflict, like we explode outwards, or we implode inwards. The anger gets directed inwards or outwards, right? That, that tends to be, we go one of two directions. I tend to be, well... A lot of us do both. You know, I'll implode inward, 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 and then fuck you, I'll explode outward. (laughs) So the sooner that I can recognize anger is here or something's happening, I'm not feeling good, and I can name it, speak to it, that pattern that interrupts a pattern that so many of us are used to, which is we just keep going. We either cycle up or we shut down and disconnect. Neither of those are useful. In, in creating connection with the people we care about and want to be connected to. So even that, just naming it. And, and, and I also like to, you know, it can be reassuring in naming it because even saying, I'm, I'm angry, there's anger present, can be really scary for people. Like, oh, fuck, what does that mean? You're yeah. going gonna, gonna to do something? You're going to hurt me? You might say, look, I'm noticing I'm starting to get really angry right now. I love you. Nothing bad's going to happen. I'm I'm here with you. I I, know, I see that we're struggling right now. I'm not sure what's. I'm not even sure what why I'm getting angry, right? Or you might even say I I I feel a little shame that I'm feeling anger, but it's here, and I just need to name it so that we can move past it. Maybe we can take a pause on what we're trying to figure out or solve. You know that 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 can. Not everybody will will know how to be with that. 
But the people that you really want to be connected to and be in conversation with, I think, on the for the most part, they want to know what's going on for you. If they don't want to know what's really going on for you, they're not your friend. Yeah. But if you're willing to reveal, we call it what revealing what is hidden to bridge connection. If you're willing to reveal what is hidden, this is what's happening for me right now. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling a little scared. You know, the more you can narrate and name what's happening, that I say is a constructive way of using the emotions that are arising. You're because you're 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 building you're creating the potential anyway for real connection to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think another thing that happens is that anger can also go unconsciously inward in the sense that I think what a lot of men do is that they repress it, don't label it, and let it kind of just control their unconscious mind. What ha- ends up happening is they use it as a source. They use the anger as a fuel source for motivation, right? Definitely. Like it's like, I th- in most men, I think that's actually most men's motivation is that, you know, fuck this bitch or fuck that guy who once, you know, failed me or that teacher or what yeah. I coach. Sure. That they then use that as unconscious motivation to work all the time, that they to prove something yeah. out of the anger. Yeah. And then going back to our initial point in the beginning of this podcast yeah. is that that's the place they, they, they work from. It's just like, and it kind of just stays there all the time right. and then it creates their identity that, 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 and what ends up happening that way is there's arguments made in, in you know certain coaches, certain books that 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 men should tap into that and they should use that as as a motivational source. But to some degree, I agree, but mostly I don't because it'll never go away. Like that loop of thinking will never end. That fuel source will never end mm-hmm. in some way. Well, I, I heard a man once say, uh, Joshua Hathaway said this beautifully: anger is the place where passion meets powerlessness. Hmm. We're passionate about something, but we feel powerless to do anything about it. So anger gives rise. I thought that was a really interesting perspective, interesting idea. Super accurate. On on anger, yeah. Thought about that a lot over the years. And as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's what we do with it that matters. It's how we work with it. Are we doing something? Look, there are things we should be angry about, I believe. Um, uh, it was a Thomas Merton. I can't remember, but, but uh, there's an author, um, an old sage, another sage. Here we are, New Age sage, quoting the sages. Um, <clears throat> coined this term, holy outrage. There are things we should be outraged by that are happening in the world. You know, I, I just learned... Um, in my home state of Maryland, just saw in the paper the other day, s- more stories coming out about all of the churches that that harbored pedophiles, yeah. churches harboring pedophiles. We should be fucking angry about that. For sure. Yeah. Right? There are things we should be angry about. Anger is the appropriate response. But what we do with it is, is is what I say is where the difference is made. You know, do we do we go and burn down all the churches and and slaughter the pedophilic priests or I don't know. I mean, some people would probably do that. Is that constructive? <laughs> some people might argue it is. I don't know. But this is where I think you know discernment. Okay, how do I work with this anger now in a way that is constructive that doesn't just create more damage and destruction? You know, karmic destruction in the world versus, okay, how do we work with this anger so that this thing that I'm angry about doesn't happen again? I think, let, let's let's bring it back to personal relationships. If I have a friend 
that is constantly interrupting me when I'm talking. That's going to make me a little angry. If I just explode back on them, fuck you, man. Why the fuck are you doing? Shut up. Right? Well, that's not constructive use of my anger. I'm just doing, now I'm just stepping over, I'm stepping onto them in the same way I feel like they've been stepping on me. Yeah. That's just going to push us apart or just creates a, a karmic cycle of fuck you, no fuck you, no fuck you, no fuck you, right? But rather, I feel this anger and my friend's doing this again. I'm like, yo, hold on, hold on, Dave, I'm starting to get angry because you keep interrupting me. And it doesn't feel good. You're stepping on my words. You're not allowing me to finish my sentences and I don't like it. Please stop doing that. I'm getting really angry every time you do this. Okay, so now I'm, I'm expressing my anger in a way that's constructive. I'm showing him where my boundaries are. I'm showing him what's happened. I'm revealing what's happening for me. I'm not saying you're being a dick and let me stomp all over you because you're stomping on me. I'm like, yo, brother, there's a line here and you keep crossing it. Please stop doing that. I, I'm, it's not feeling good to me. I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling violated. I'm feeling fucked up in this. And I can't, I can't really be with you in the conversation because I'm constantly waiting for you to just step on my words. Please stop. Yep. And now I get to see, well, what kind of friend is Dave? Is he a guy that can meet me in the relational dance? Or is he a guy that's not going to be able to hear me and is going to keep doing it or dismiss me in some way? Be like, dude, come on, get over your shit. Yeah. Okay, you're not my friend, Dave. <laughs> like, you're not my tribe. Yeah, what you're talking to there is how do you respond to anger when it's an appropriate response? How do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. What about when it's an inappropriate response? That when he, the situation doesn't justify yeah. it? Like, what's the strategy there? Yeah. Uh, well, I think still naming it, it can be really helpful because is it inappropriate, appropriate? Well, anger is anger. It's it, like you said earlier, joy and laughter is joy and laughter. Whatever causes it, it's there. Is it appropriate? I mean, have you ever laughed at a really inappropriate joke? Yeah. Surely. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> right. Yeah, we we laugh at things. We're like, damn, I shouldn't be laughing at that. But it's kind of, it's just funny. Well, I wouldn't take that joke and repeat it. Right. But I can allow myself to feel the laughter of it. I can also be discerning and realize, okay, that's fucked up. I'm not going to propagate that thinking out in the world. I'm not going to turn around and share that joke with others because that would be fucked up because I don't want to live in that world. It's the same way with, with, you know, with anger at what might not be appropriate, you know, uh, and this happens all the time. I mean, you know, my, my wife might want something from me in a, in a moment where I'm, I'm not able to give it and I feel angry. Is that appropriate anger? Not really. I mean, it's not helpful. It certainly isn't. It's not connecting. My wife doesn't feel good. She's asking me for something, which I want her to be able to ask for, for anything. She's just catching me at a moment where I'm not able to receive it, right? So, again, breathing. Not trying to, not trying to, you know, I mean, get mad at myself for feeling anger I shouldn't feel. I mean, now we're just in the compounding, you know, fuck me, I'm an asshole, shame, 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 anger cycle. But just acknowledging, whew, wow, okay, it's like, and, and this is the, what I'll say in my own head is I'm not really, I'm really not ready to receive this right now, but, and, and I'll, I'll even speak to my wife sometimes because she'll, she'll voice back, she'll, her own frustration, like, you know, you, um, it might sound like, uh, 
I want to ask you for things, but sometimes like you, when you react like that, I, I don't, I feel paralyzed. I don't know what to do. <sighs> That's where now I, I need to repair. I'm sorry. You know, just, I'm sorry, babe. You're right. I, you're right. I did get a little flustered or frustrated that that did come up for me. I know it's not helpful. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you just caught me at a moment where I wasn't ready for it. Right. So I'm just, I'm repairing it. I'm just owning it, acknowledging it, repairing it, and then we can move on. You know, to, to like summarize that, it seems that just losing the shame about the situation, just kind of owning it as it is and accepting it and not, I think the appropriate response to the inappropriate response is to not, good way to put it, you know, yeah, to not project it onto others or not, as you said, don't harm the environment, don't harm others. Exactly. That it's there, just, yeah. just express it in your way and, and let it be, but don't fuck other people up in the process. So I wanted to turn to a different topic yeah. to kind of conclude this this great podcast yeah. is I think a statistic came out that a third of men are are, are sexless nowadays. A third of men aren't are just aren't having sex or haven't mm. haven't had sex. And mm. what I perceive that to be the issue is that we aren't great at taking rejection. That the 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 danger of rejection of being rejected mm. is so damn painful that we can't even take the leap in the first place. How do you see that playing out? Like the role of men not being able to face rejection and how you traverse yeah. it. I think it's essential, right? Because even if you start a business, you start yeah. anything in life for you, you know, building yourself up, you're going to be fucking, I'm sure you've had, you're going to be told no and face planted and rejected yep. so many fucking times. That yep. It's almost essential yep. in today's day and age, especially in this you know capitalist world that you, you really have to become yep. comfortable just getting turned down all the time. How do you actually do that? How yeah. can men actually... Yeah. get turned down and not turn themselves down in a way? It's a great question, man. And I work with a lot of men that are even even in long-term marriages that are essentially sexless. And one of the big reasons, again, I think it comes back to a lack of presence, that we men don't know how to be present with what's actually going on for her. And so, look, rejection doesn't feel good to anybody. Nobody wants to be, I want something. And when I don't get what I want, that hurts. It's frustrating. It, it's upsetting in some way. But what a lot of men, what we've, what we do, what we do with that, like anything, the feeling is the feeling. It's what we do with it that matters. And when we pout, when we go into our own shame cycle or spiral, when we get angry, pissed off, all that communicates to her is I'm not on her side. She's not safe with me. I, I say, until your partner, whether that's a brand new partner, a potential partner, or your long-term partner, if they don't feel safe, if you don't make it safe for them to say no, you will never get an authentic yes from them. Mm. And I think it is incumbent upon us men. You're right on the money. We've got to cultivate the willingness to hear no. That's the only way through this. If we can't hear no, we'll never hear an authentic yes. We Once or twice we might, but as soon as she starts to find out, wow, this guy really can't be with my no, her body's gonna tighten. She might still say yes a bunch because she women are incredibly sexual, as much, if not more, than many guys. Is that that ain't the problem? It's not like men need sex more than women do. That ain't a real thing. <laughs> Quite sometimes it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, but when they when they don't trust that we are adult 
enough. Like, but what I mean by that is, as an adult, I can hold my own emotions. I can be with my own emotions. I can comfort my own stuff. I don't need her to be the adult. That's sexy as shit. When she can say no or I'm not interested and be like, cool, I love you anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Great. I respect and appreciate. That's sexy as shit. But until a man can cultivate the capacity to hear that, he's going to have problems. What can, what can they do to cultivate that capacity? To be able to hear no in all facets, but especially romantically or sexually, yeah. and not have that affect their self-esteem. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like to do lots of experiments. Um, I'm trying to think which, which story to share here. I have a man right now who's in a long-term relationship that a practice that I'm giving him is to, he's going on a, on a trip with his partner and they're essentially sexless for some time. And a practice that I'm giving him is to make requests and remind her that it's okay that she says no. Right. So he's practicing and his practice is to then go be with whatever feelings arise to not put them on her, to speak to her. She's going to say no, maybe a hundred percent of the time right now. And the practice is to make the request anyway. You know, uh, babe, is it okay if I hold your hand and it's okay if the answer is no. Right, those that that practice, like he's speaking into existence, even though part of him doesn't want her to say no at all. He's dying on some level, but he's cultivating the the capacity to be with her. No, he's he's never cultivated that. Right, it's part of the reason that they're in the position that they're in. So, you know, doing practices like this, I, I did something years ago <clears throat> um, where I lived in Miami and I would. I felt uh, there was this street, uh, Lincoln Road, I think, Lincoln Boulevard, Lincoln Road, whatever, is where all these restaurants were. And it was pedestrian, and you could, uh, you know, you'd walk past these restaurants in between. People were sitting in the middle of the, there were, there were tables over here and tables here by, the, by the, the wall, the facade of the building. And you could walk right in the middle down the, down the sidewalk. Well, I always felt so insecure. I would, it, it like brought me back to high school where I wasn't the cool kid and these were all the cool kids and I felt so fucking insecure walking through there. I was in my late 20s. I decided, well, I'm going to make a practice out of this. I'm just going to walk through there. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to relax. I'm going to be with the insecurity that arises, the discomfort, and I'm just going to watch and observe. And I would walk. I would get to the other side. Little, 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 little bit past the restaurant, I'd turn around and walk back through it again. I did that probably half a dozen times each time, just noticing what am I feeling, what's arising for me. And I noticed as I did that, a number of things were happening. One is no one was paying any attention to me. No one was actually looking at me, <laughs> not that I could tell. I was like really in a trip of my own story here. And that little experiment that I did helped me even today i still will feel social anxiety at times yeah but i'm so aware nobody's really paying attention to me and if they are they're in their own trip in the same way that i'm in my own trip so i'm actually okay and i think it's the same for rejection you know um when a woman feels safe to say no she's good that's what she needs more than anything to know that i won't force her to do anything she doesn't want to do so i say practice making requests 
practice making requests, practice communicating, even complimenting women. You know, you look really pretty, but don't expect anything back from her for that compliment. Be willing for her to not smile, to not acknowledge you, to not say thank you. You know, a lot of men will give a compliment and if she doesn't give it back, it's like, bitch, mm -hmm. you know, fucks. You, know, you can't take a compliment, whatever. We're Now we're trying to extract something for what we gave. And again, it just reinforces in her mind, ah, I ain't safe with him. So even if she's attracted to him, some part of her is going to be in resistance to him. That That's the key point right there, that the reason why men should be okay with getting no back is that safety piece, is that? Definitely. Women will feel safe. Why is that? Why do women feel safe with a man who could take no? Well, because a man who can't take no is going to make her uh, do things that she doesn't want to do. On some level, he's he's capable of forcing her to do what she doesn't want to do, whether through f sheer physical force or just emotional manipulation. You know, he he's and he doesn't have her best interest in his heart. He has yeah. his interest in his heart, and on some level, she's. On a very primal, instinctive level, she's going to know this guy isn't for me. He's for him. I'm just the tool that he's using to get whatever his needs are met. Great point. Yeah, I agree. Is yeah. that where it's kind of like a egoistic self-service that we're just using the feminine for our own personal gain. And they're wiser than us in many ways. They're more intuitive. that They can feel that. They feel that. Like that. Yeah, even if your energy, you know, when you speak to them. I feel that. And, and, and yeah, I think this is such an important point. Be willing to hear no. Cultivate the capacity to hear no. That's such an invaluable relationship skill because then you can ask for anything. You can literally ask for anything when you're willing to hear no. You can ask your partner for a blowjob. You can ask your partner if they want to have a quickie. When you're willing to hear no, they're still going to say no, but sometimes they're going to say yes because they want to do that for you too. Yeah. But we stop at making requests or again, we make them in these really sloppy ways where there's strings attached and it just, the relationship gets funky. Yeah, I even see that in my experience leak out into other avenues. Like I won't ask for things professionally yeah. or like yeah. help from a friend just because I'm like, I, I just can't deal with the fact that they could say no. I couldn't. Yeah. Like it's so even traverses all, all aspects of life, even business or friends that it's ultimately probably the biggest skill you can get is is not only to be able to hear no, but to have the backbone to not let it like ruin you. E yeah. Even as a coach in, in my early days of coaching, I couldn't hear no. Yeah. And I was terrified to hear no, because again, I was coming from angst and neediness. I need the money. I need the, I'm trying to build a business. I need the work. I need the validation. It was all about me. Yeah. And I did this experiment where, uh, well, I took on a challenge. I did 100 coaching sessions in 60 days, free. And I made invitations for people to work with me at, at the end of each of them. They were, I say they were, you know, 98 of them were really powerful, great two-hour sessions. How many people out of 100 do you think said yes to me? It was not zero. <laughs> 15? Less than one person. And why less than one? Because I let them name their own price. <laughs> yeah. I was batting less than a percent when I was afraid to hear no. When I handled that, when I dealt with that, when I, when I, and that happened in conjunction with also being willing to not have money. It's like being willing to not have the woman, be willing to not get the blowjob, be willing to not have the sex you want, be willing to not, all of a sudden, I was able to make requests, completely willing to hear no. Dude, I went from less than 1% to uh, 
uh, uh, one out of three people said yes to me. Do you think it's actually an energy thing? The, the minute that a man like energetically is safe hearing no, that things will actually open up more in his favor in some way. I, I, 100%. I think it is an energy thing. I think it's, again, it's a very primal thing when, when, we, when we really get instinctively, I'm safe with this person. Wow, I can really be me. More, please. Yeah. Give me more. I want more of this because we're all dying to be our true selves. We're dying to be seen for who we really are. And when I'm with someone who can't hear my no, well, <sighs> resistance. But yeah. when I get that you can really be with my no, yeah, that's so rare in the world. More, please. Yeah. Right? For sure. Powerful place to, yeah. to end. To Thank you so much for giving all these. My brain also, because that's one thing I've been really struggling with is that. Yeah. Hearing no piece, I never really understood why mm. it was so important to, mm. to have that skill. Now I have the, the information I need to like tell right. my brain, like, all right, you have to be doing this shit because it actually works out for you in the long run. And, yeah. it, and it helps other people feel safe and yourself Definitely. feel safe. So yeah. thank you very much. And welcome, where, where can people uh, find you? And yeah, so my website, I think I gave you a copy of my book too. I have a book called Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. Um, but my website, Brian Reeves, it's Brian with a Y. It's very important. Brian <laughs> with a Y. Please spell it with a Y brianreeves.com I mean that's uh, I'm on all the social medias and my blogs and books and different things are there great yeah check out his yeah. book I'm sure it's, it's amazing I can't wait to read it and thank you so much for coming on Lucas it. man honor to have you thanks for having this conversation <laughs>